Locked on Longhorns, the show. Jonathan Davis, your host. Today's episode of Locked on Longhorns is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked on. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked on today to get started. And on today's episode of Locked on Longhorns, of course, we are talking about Texas big win over Alabama on Saturday in the first segment. We're talking about Quinn Ewer, Steve Sarkeesian, and the offensive line, the superstars on offense. In the second segment, we're talking about this defense, the entire unit. We're superstars on Saturday. And in the last segment, the Big 12 roundup, while Texas was beating up on Alabama, the other schools were participating as well. And I'll let you know everything that you need to know on today's episode of Locked On Longhorns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So before we get started, I want to address the elephant in the room. Elephant, quite literally, I did come on here on the podcast and predict Alabama to win on multiple podcasts. I even made a bet with Kyle Umlang, unfortunately, that Alabama would win on Saturday. And of course, I'm a Texas fan. I've never been so glad to be wrong. But when I watched both teams games in the first week, both teams had obvious struggles that I thought that the other team could exploit. But I thought that Alabama on the road in front of 100,000 people had that natural advantage. I thought that they would be uh, a little better in the trenches than Texas was. And I thought that Jalen Milrow, uh, I thought both quarterbacks would struggle a little bit. But I thought Jalen Milrow had the superpower, at least, to take off and run for 40, 50 yards. And I saw, you know, a game plan in which he could very well run for 100 to 150 yards and put the team on his back. And obviously none of that happened. Right. And Texas was able to win by 10 points and you know, get the biggest win for the University of Texas since the Mac Brown era. So a really special night on Saturday. Like I said, I thought that, you know, Alabama would win the battle in the trenches. Texas had five sacks and nine tackles for loss. Bama, zero sacks, only two tackles for loss. I thought that they would win the rushing battle by a wide margin. Bama, 107 rushing yards. Texas, 105 rushing yards. So it was very close. Neither team ran it at a great clip as far as yards per carry. But in terms of total yards, it was very close. And then I said in week one, Bama had a 63% uh, run split to 37% pass split. And they probably wanted to be around that again to win the game, right? Texas had to force them closer to 50%. And they certainly did that. Bama passed the ball 50, I mean, ran the ball 56% of the time, only passed it 44% of the time. And obviously that did not work out for the Crimson Tide. Part of the reason that I picked Alabama to win on Saturday was I was not sure what type of performance we were going to get from Quinn Ewers. And in fact, I came out after the Rice game and made a video that probably was a little bit of an overreaction. You know, I was really just responding to what the tape said. And I have high standards for a five-star quarterback. That's one of the highest graded recruits of all time, you know, but I felt like uh, he still hadn't shown uh, everything we expected to see from him after a long offseason against Rice, right? There were still instances and when he was getting shaky and couldn't navigate the pocket under pressure from Rice, right? There were still instances where he failed to make tight window throws. And then obviously the big deal or the deal that was made from the Rice game was he couldn't complete the deep ball, right? And I was like, if you couldn't successfully navigate pressure against Rice, how are you going to do it against Alabama, right? I'm just assuming that, you know, deductive reasoning, two plus two is going to equal four. But Quinn Ewers was amazing on Saturday and he had a special moment. You know, I said, to beat a team like Alabama on the road, and this might not be the same Alabama, but it's still a hell of a win, right? To beat a team like Alabama on the road, Quinn Ewers would have to have 
that special type of moment, right? Whether it was a Trevor Lawrence, a Deshaun Watson, a, a Johnny Manziel, you know, a performance like that to knock off of Alabama. And I certainly think that Quinn Ewers did that on Saturday, right? I did not think that he would be able to do it. But as he showed in the first quarter last year against Alabama, in these big moments, he steps up to the plate and he delivers. And I feel like for the first time in a full game since he took over at the University of Texas, we said that's why he was one of the highest graded recruits of all time. And that's why he'll be one of the first quarterbacks drafted in the 2024 NFL draft. 360 total yards and three touchdowns from Quinn Ewers. Like I said, he submits himself as one of those legendary performances against Alabama and Nick Saban from a quarterback. And I thought he did a really good job of everything that didn't look great a week ago, right? Like I said, when he was taking off and running and, you know, scampering around the pocket at, you know, just the smallest sign of pressure against Rice and couldn't effectively, uh, you know, coordinate the offense. That all changed in a week against Alabama, right? Now the offensive line was way better, but we saw Quinn Ewers stand in that pocket, move around in that pocket and deliver strikes. He took off and ran eight times against Rice, only had three carries against Alabama. That shows you that the game plan coming in was to stand in that pocket, step up in that pocket, and make the right throws, and he certainly did that. The ability to make tight window throws, right? It kind of felt like before, everything that we saw from Quinn Ewers was wide open. It had to be schemed open, but against that tight man coverage that Alabama plays, can you Put the ball on the money and give your receivers a chance. And he certainly did that. We'll talk about some of his specific plays in a minute. But the first one that comes to mind is the 32-yard sideline fade to A.D. Mitchell from the six-yard line, right? It doesn't get any tighter than that, right? Quinn Ewers was special on Saturday. And then the ability to hit the deep ball, right? There were certainly some missed opportunities against Rice that I came on here and pointed out. Like I said, maybe I did it too aggressively, but I did point out, you know, what I saw on tape against Rice. That was not the issue on Saturday. When players got deep, he hit them in stride. And as you can see, those plays lead to touchdowns and those plays lead to win, right? Because they flipped the momentum of the game. And even when, you know, Alabama was able to do, do that with the deep pass to Jermaine Burton to take the lead after Texas had dominated with, for it felt like with three quarters, Quinn Ewers came back with a couple more deep touchdowns of his own. So he was special. You know, this offense was special. Um, and I thought that everything that he was unable to do against Rice or everything that didn't look great against Rice, he cleaned it up really quickly and put on a dominant performance against Bam. I mentioned one specific throw, but there were five throws from Quinn Ewers on Saturday that I just fell in love with, right? And I said, that's the quarterback that was number one ranked out of high school, right? The 31-yard pass to Jordan Whittington behind zone coverage. I think it was cover two. Um, they kind of pressed Jordan Whittington about five yards in and then he got behind uh, the corner in the zone coverage and then he hit Jordan Whittington perfectly, kind of was staring him down, but he knew the coverage, right? Hits Jordan Whittington perfectly. I think Jordan Whittington breaks a few tackles, ends up going for 31. Texas is only up 27-24 at that point, close game. Then with Texas up 13-9, so this happened before, the 32-yard pass I mentioned to A.D. Mitchell from his own six, right? Just letting your receiver go make a play on what should be a 50-50 ball that ended up being a 100-0 ball on one of the best corners in the nation, Kool-Aid McKinstry. That's one of those throws that, you know, Quinn Ewers and only a few other quarterbacks in college football can make and complete. The go-ahead touchdown when we're down 16-13, to 13, a nice RPO to A.D. Mitchell where Caleb Downs, the safety hat, came down a little bit to try to stop the run, but Quinn Ewers still waits until A.D. Mitchell clears, throws that touchdown, and then you had the two deep passes, 44-yard touchdown to Xavier Worthy. He put so much arc and air on that ball, gave Xavier Worthy time to run under it. It was delivered beautifully to take the lead 10-3, to 
and then the 39-yard touchdown to A.D. Mitchell to really put the game out of reach. Once again, just dropping it in the bucket and giving his wide receiver an opportunity to run. So, like I said, it, it was going to take a legendary-type performance, a, a Johnny Manziel, Trevor Lawrence, Deshaun Watson-type performance performance from Quinn Ewers to beat Alabama on Saturday, and he certainly delivered, and that's why Texas is 2-0. I want to give credit to Sark, right, because we've talked a bunch about his uh, lack of game management, his sketchy play calling at times, and not having his team ready to go in the second half. And I thought even when Alabama took the lead 16-13 to in the second half, then Texas immediately came out and responded, outscoring them 21-8, to I guess, the rest of the way, or – yeah, 21 to 8 the rest of the way, right? So that was a hell of a response from a team that was ready to play from the opening snap. And it's funny because I'm giving Sark credit for his play calling, and I thought he was really good in that regard. But his first drive, he runs on a third and seven, and it doesn't go forward on fourth down. So I'm kind of questioning, all right, what's going on, Sark? You know what I mean? Like, like what are you doing? Like, are we coming out here with this again? But after that, uh, he was flawless and is about as close to 50 50 as you can get right. 38 runs, 37 passes. And of course that happened because they ran the clock out for the last seven minutes, just a dominant big boy sec drive from the Texas Longhorns football team. Sark was amazing in terms of his play call. And it just felt like, it felt like everything made sense, right? When he called the runs, when he called the passes, when he called the shot plays, when he called the trick plays, it all worked in succession and a great mix of personnel groupings, right? Whether it was four receivers, sets three receiver sets two tight end sets two running back sets he did a really good job of keeping that Alabama defense uncomfortable right and constantly having to worry about who was where and what type of offense they were running right and I thought some of my favorite play calls from Saturday was Steve Sarkeesian just totally being in his bag like we saw last year with Quinn Ewers against Alabama was he called the whip route for a touchdown now Xavier Worthy dropped it but he knew he would have one-on-one coverage um on the outside, he isolated Xavier Worthy, had him run that whip route on the left side, I believe, against Kool-Aid McKinstry. The same play that they iced the Iowa State game with last year. That's film study for you. But Xavier Worthy dropped it. The touchdown to Xavier Worthy, the 44-yard touchdown. You remember Jonte Cook put up his hands because he knew it was a touchdown. They occupied that safety by having Jonte Cook run a deep, uh, I guess, a deep curl. He ran like a 20, 25-yard curl, comes down. So then the safety comes down with him, right? Because Jonte Cook runs a route right in front of him. And then, of course, Xavier Worthy is streaking right behind him, wide open for the touchdown. Then the reverse pass where Xavier Worthy throws it to A.D. Mitchell, that led to a pass interference. You don't complete the pass, but you make the defense uncomfortable. They hold. That's 15 free yards from you. Obviously, the sideline fade to A.D. Mitchell from your own six, right? It's not a lot of plays you can run from there, but you don't want to be basic and just run the ball and end up punting it back to Alabama. And you didn't have to punt it back because he made a huge throw from the six-yard line for 32 yards. And then the RPO to A.D. Mitchell for the touchdown. Caleb Downs is going to be a special player on defense for the Alabama Crimson Tide. But we know that when Sark is at his best, he creates a lot of conflict for the defense. And he had Caleb Downs making some decisions on Saturday. And a couple times he made the wrong decision, which led to some touchdowns for the University of Texas. And I felt like everything JT Sanders got was just schemed open, right? Five catches for 114 yards. I remember one catch specifically where three players were covering Cedric Baxter on a play action where he ran out into the flat. JT Sanders was wide open. It just felt like he would come off the line and, and Alabama wouldn't be able to pick it up. He was wide open. And that certainly was a big reason why they scored 21 points in the fourth quarter and put this game away. So I thought that Quinn Ewers was special, but I thought that his play caller called a flawless game on Saturday and was one of the biggest reasons why Texas got the win in Tuscaloosa on Saturday. And I just want to give a quick shout out to the offensive line, because we all said that if the offensive line played like they did against Rice, 
they would not be able to win against Alabama. And my thoughts going into the game were, if you could not block Rice, how will you block Alabama? And they did it perfectly. <laughs> like, they did an amazing job uh, to not give up any sacks to that Alabama defense, to only give up two tackles for loss to that Alabama defense, and to allow Quinn Ewers the time he needed and the space he needed to flawlessly execute this passing game on Saturday was just amazing. And a, a huge 180 from what we saw on tape against Rice. And we know about Kelvin Banks. We know about Christian Jones. But I want to give credit to that interior offensive line because they've been maligned since last year. And like Ian Boyd from Inside Texas says, those guards, those interior offensive linemen, they came out there on Saturday and played like their scholarships were on the line. Cole Hudson, Jake Majors, DJ Campbell, and Hayden Connor. I hope y'all are eating good all week. I hope the skill positions and the quarterback and Sark are taking care of y'all because, man, y'all went out there and had a legendary type performance as an offensive line unit, kept Quinn Ewers upright, and like I said, gave him the space and the confidence he needed to have a legendary performance against this Alabama team. And that is why Texas is 2-0 on the verge of going 3-0 for the first time since 2012. A great performance on offense against that Alabama defense, but we know the, the Texas defense might have been the superstars of the game on Saturday. We talk about them next after a quick word from our sponsors. This episode of Locked on Longhorns is brought to you by Athletic Brewing. Athletic Brewing Company has completely changed the non-alcoholic beer game. They make non-alcoholic beers that actually taste good full flavor and well-crafted, just like a full-strength beer. Their brews are great tasting and award-winning and beat out full-strength beers in global competitions. They brew over 50 styles of craft, non-alcoholic beer, including IPAs, golden sours, and more. They're constantly releasing limited edition experimental styles just to add to their variety. You can find Athletic Brewing Company's non-alcoholic brews at a store near you or buy online at athleticbrewing.com. First-time customers can use code LOCKEDON to get 15% off your first online order. That's code LOCKEDON at checkout for 15% off at athleticbrewing.com near beer. Exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company, fit for all time. All right, it was just a good weekend of football, period. I was just thinking about this. I meant to say this earlier in the first segment, but my Cowboys won in dominant fashion, uh, 40 to 0. The Longhorns obviously won, went into Tuscaloosa and won 34 to 24 on Saturday. I get to rambling and then forget what I'm going to say. And then my fantasy team, led by Tua Tungavaloa, Nick Chubb, and Tony Pollard, at least this weekend. Uh, is up by 50 points going into the Monday night football game. And all he has is the Jets defense. So a great weekend of football for me. And hopefully it continues for the next few Saturdays and Sundays. All right. Now I want to talk about uh, the Texas defense. And I kind of had them messed up a little bit. You know, I said that Jalen Milrow um, had been better at throwing the deep ball against uh, than Quinn Ewers. And I felt like he would get a couple in this game. Only got one. Now, they did take the lead in a crucial moment. But like I said, just a great response from this offense and Quinn Ewers um, and Steve Sarkeesian. And I said that Jalen Milrow would be able to use his superpower and take off in the running game. And that was not the case. Right. I think he only ended up with like 44 running yards and Bama as a whole only ended up with 107. So this defense did an amazing job. And I thought that offensive line that would be the biggest just by height and weight in the NFL, right, not just college, in the NFL, I thought that they would make a transformation in a week and hold their own, right, against our defensive line or at least be able to win that battle and wear them down in the trenches with the run game. And it was our offensive line 
that made the big jump in a week, not theirs, right? And I think the offensive line will be really good eventually, but you know, Pete Kukowski kind of took them to school on Saturday. So just a really good job by the defense as a whole. And I want to talk about Jalen Milrow a little bit more because he's an amazing kid. Um, he's a great kid. And, you know, these are college athletes, right? You know, I know that because they make money now and it, it's NIL, we want to say, oh, they're not amateurs anymore. But these are college athletes. These are kids. Like, think about when you were in college. And he's a great kid at a school that expects to win every game, that is expected to win every game they've played for the last decade plus. And there's a lot of Bama fans that are going to be down on him. A lot of college football fans that are going to be down on him. I mean, he made a couple throws that you just can't make in a game of that magnitude. And, you know, this is a program that's expected to win for the last 100 years, right? And so, you know, hopefully Bama fans can put their arms around him and allow him to grow. Um, because, like I said, I think he's a really good kid and I think he's made of the right stuff. But obviously on the field, uh, he still has a lot to learn in terms of playing the quarterback position. And like I said, you know, I thought that Pete Kukowski in this unit took the Alabama offense to school on Saturday. And I want to give Pete Kukowski credit because all last year it kind of felt like, Oh, okay, well, is it Gary Patterson? How much influence is Gary Patterson having? We don't know how much credit to give Pete Kukowski. There's no doubt now who is the star of this show is Pete Kukowski. And I thought two years in a row he had a dominant game plan against the Alabama Crimson Tide, whether it be in DKR or in uh, Tuscaloosa. And he was really one Ryan Watts sack away last year from putting together a game plan that beat Alabama two years in a row but nonetheless you hold him to 20 points last year 24 points this year 44 points total uh just a dominant performance from Pete Kukowski in terms of calling the game plan having his players ready to play right putting a lot of pressure on Bryce Young and Jalen Milrow covering really well on the back uh on the back end and like I said only giving up 22 points per game to two very good offensive units right <laughs> you know this is a team that just scored 56 points last week and when you look at the defense, they only gave up 14 completions. Now, like I said, you know, Jalen Milrow just isn't that advanced in the passing game yet. Uh, he's a one read quarterback that even at times, you know, is not making the right read. And uh, he's just not ready yet. Right. Especially to play against a defense like Texas. He's not ready. But, you know, that's not our fault. Right? And it's not Pekakowski's fault. And he did a really good job of knowing that, you know, Jalen Milrow would not be able to handle what he was going to throw on him. And he kept throwing it on him until Texas pulled away with the lead, right? And like I said, in 60 minutes of football, Jalen Milrow only had 14 completions. And it felt like, I mean, maybe three or four of them were easy. I mean, Jalen Milrow and his receivers were making some crazy lucky plays over the middle where he's just throwing it up. I mean, like throwing it high as hell. You know what I mean? Or like just crazy, like contested catches in the middle of the field that should have been pretty open in the zone, right? Like I, I don't feel like, you know, we did a good job of covering in the back end and we did a good job of, uh, you know, getting pressure. But I don't feel like receivers were just locked up on the back end. I just don't think Jalen Milrow could find him. And I think that, like I said, you know, this Texas defense of Pekakowski knew that. Right. And they played a defense that forced Jalen Milrow to think. And all of that thinking caused them to only score 24 points and lose on Saturday. Like I said, he only had 14 completions. That's just not going to be good enough to beat this Texas defense, especially what especially with what was going on on the offensive side of the ball, right? And then I talked about, you know, his ability to scramble, but he thinks too much, right? If he would have just took off at the first sign of pressure every time, they might have had a really good running game, right? If they would have stuck with the running game when it was working, it wasn't sexy, but they were getting seven, eight, nine yards a clip in the first quarter. If they would have stuck with that, they probably have a better chance, right? But offensive coordinators have egos. They want to go out there and use all of their toys and throw the ball. And Jalen Milrow is a quarterback. So, yes, he can take off and probably go for 20 yards at any point he wants. They did a really good job containing him, though. But he wants to throw the ball. And so he'll sit in that pocket 
until it's too late sometimes. And by the time he tries to take off, that leads to sacks, which we saw on Saturday. So he didn't hurt you passing the ball or running the ball, which is the main reason why Texas won. And it should have been a bigger, more convincing win. But nonetheless, you'll take them any way you can get them. 18 different players recorded a stat. We said last week, 25 different players recorded a stat. This is a defense that has a ton of talent and a ton of depth. And when you bring that depth in, they still perform at a really high level. Five sacks, nine tackles for loss. And you had some young players balling, right? Anthony Hill had his coming out party. Two sacks coming off that edge really caused a lot of havoc for that run game and Jalen Milrow. David Bender, right? A lot of people, you know, concerned about what type of performance he would have. But he had a huge, uh, crucial sack on Jalen Milrow where the offensive line knocked him down. But just his motor got back up and got the sack. Ethan Burke, a playmaker, right? Coming from a powerhouse program in Westlake. It looks like it's translating to the University of Texas. Two tackles for loss, one sack. And he just has that motor, right? Like he's not going to stop until that whistle blows for real, for real. Tavondre Sweat for two weeks in a row has just looked like a dominant force up front, looked like a player that will make an impact on Sundays. And, you know, you had to get to Jalen Milrow and force two turnovers, and that's what they did. Jaron Thompson and Jade Barron getting the two probably easiest interceptions of their life. But nonetheless, they forced Milrow into two turnovers. Those two turnovers led to 10 points for Texas. How many points did Texas win by on Saturday? They won by 10. We talked all offseason about having to get sacks, having to get to, you know, the quarterback and force turnovers, fumbles and interceptions and five sacks and two interceptions later. Like I said, Texas is 2-0 and and just got their biggest win in over a decade. So shout out to the offense. Shout out to the defense. Hell, shout out to special teams. Right? I know Burt Auburn missed the, uh, a kick, but he was still great. Nonetheless, special teams unit was great. Nonetheless, and it took an all hands on deck type of performance to get your biggest win in over a decade and knock off Nick Saban and the Alabama Crimson Tide in Tuscaloosa and Steve Sarkeesian in year three. He did it. So just credit to everybody around this football program. We said all offseason, it feels different. Now we have two games of data that shows us it looks different. And, you know, hopefully they can keep up that same momentum. I guess a tough Wyoming team that did beat Texas Tech. I'll be in the building on my 30th birthday. So Texas better handle business. A quick word from our sponsors. And then we're giving you the Big 12 roundup. All of the teams you didn't have time to see over the weekend on Saturday. Get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get a $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use. You can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel, the official partner of the National Football League. I pressed the video a little bit early, but I think y'all still heard that. It's the official partner of the National Football League. I don't want to lose my sponsors. don't want to lose my money, man. Shout out to the NFL. All right, here goes the Big 12 roundup. We got to start. We got started a little bit early. This game was on Friday. Should have been a better game on Friday, but nonetheless, Kansas, Illinois. Kansas won that game 34 to 23. The score was not indicative of – score was closer than that game was, I should say, because Kansas was up 34 to 7 and then allowed Illinois to score 16 unanswered points in the fourth quarter to make it 34 to 23, but Kansas pretty much dominated that game. Jalen Daniels did come back. And I have to say I was sleep. That definitely is a team that's going to put Texas on notice in a few weeks in DKR. I still think Texas wins comfortably, but I thought they were going to blow them out. And now definitely, you know, that Kansas offense 
might give our defense some trouble. Jalen Daniels is a special player. I will sleep on Kansas. Definitely a formidable opponent. Utah 20, Baylor 13. Baylor is 0-2. Baylor led this game, I think, by nine points going into the fourth quarter and then allowed you know Utah to take over and win 20-13. to Two wins in a row for Utah without Cam Rising. Really impressive. And Baylor just looks bad right and don't know who they play next week but they play us right after and best case scenario they should be one and three we should run through this baylor team kansas state like i said a lot of people feel like they're the biggest contender to us in the big 12 they win in dominant fashion again for the second week in a row 42 to 13 over troy byu only scored 14 points last week the offense was humming this week 41 to 16 over southern utah the cyhawk bowl iowa iowa state it just feels like as good as Matt Campbell has been, and obviously this is going to be a down year for them because their players are gambling on games. But he just hasn't been able, you know, to, to win too many of these or beat Kirk Ferentz consistently. And it happened again. Iowa 20, Iowa State 13. As much as we talk about Iowa's inability to score, they still win a ton of games for a team that can't score more than 24 points in most games, right? Oklahoma SMU. This was a game that a lot of people had as you know maybe a potential upset or just a game where smu would give oklahoma more than they expected right and the problem was i heard that exclusively from texas fans so i'm like oh, okay well it's texas fans saying and i got to take it with a grain of salt but y'all were right on this one i still think oklahoma covered this because vegas is so smart the line was 16 and a half and, and oklahoma won by 17 but obviously you know this is a team that Played it close, at least, with Oklahoma, Oklahoma 28, SMU 11. So shout out to all the Texas fans that called that. Not sure if it was hate or not, but nonetheless, you were right, right? That's all that matters. West Virginia, West Virginia, Lord, 56 over Duquesne, 17. I don't know. I mean, it's Duquesne. They scored 17. West Virginia scored 56. For West Virginia to beat anybody like that, Hey, I'm glad DeKesney got paid, right? Cincinnati 27 over Pitt 21. Shout out the new Big 12. Cincinnati is now 2-0. Oregon 38, Texas Tech 30. I think Oregon had a double-digit, excuse me, Texas Tech had a double-digit lead at one point in this game. Oregon won, you, you know, just had more talent, beat them over a 60-minute stretch, ended the game on a pick six. And now Texas Tech, who, you know, was a sneaky Big 12 championship contender, I saw people trying to put them in the college football playoff, like, like an eight- win team that's in an eight win tier was immediately going to jump up to the best team in the big 12 nonetheless you know brett york Ormark's favorite team and you know joy mcguire's road dogs are 0 two <laughs> ucf and boise state ucf 18 boise state 16 shout out to john reese plumley uh my favorite quarterback in college football he plays baseball as well ucf the new big 12 getting their second win in a row houston 41 rice to 43 that's the JT Daniels effect. That's why we struggled against Rice. It wasn't the defense. It was JT Daniels, man. He just brought some swagger to that team, clearly. We went out and beat Alabama. Rice goes out and beats U of H 43-41. to 41. Shout out the Battle of Houston, man. We need some bigger schools in Houston so that could sound a little bit sexier. Rice in Houston is the best we have to offer. But shout out JT Daniels, man. National champion JT Daniels. I always put respect in his name. TCU 41, Nichols, Nichols State 6. Sonny Dice get back in the win, gets back in the win column. And then maybe the most quietest 2-0 team in college football right now, Oklahoma State 27 over Arizona State and freshman Jalen Rashada 15. So that is your Big 12 roundup. Obviously, Texas is the best team in the conference right now. We thought that all offseason, but we've proved it thus far. Number four in the country, and they control their own destiny to a Big 12 championship. 
and college football playoff. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Locked On Longhorns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We got a little bit into what happened on the field on Saturday, but I said that this team, Quinn Ewers and Sark, were looking for validation on Saturday. Did they get it? That's tomorrow's episode. Hook them. Peace.